This episode is sponsored by Ushub. Ushub is a new streaming service featuring Muslim-made films, shows, documentaries, and more. Ushub has opened opportunities for Muslims from every corner of the globe, providing them with a home for their work to be seen. Ushub will be available to download on all iOS and Android devices, including Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Ushub will be launching in fall 2021. Please check out ushubtv.com for more information. Assalamu alaikum. This is episode 37 Missing and Misaligned Empowering Muslim Filmmakers with Arij Mikati. Arij Mikati is the managing director of storytelling and culture change work at Pillars Fund. Her work with her team at Pillars Fund helps to support Muslims who want to tell authentic and provocative stories full of mess, nuance and beauty, looking to infuse the existing landscape of media with fresh ideas and voices. Alongside actor Riz Ahmed, USC Annenberg and Ford Foundation, Pillars Fund recently unveiled their blueprint for Muslim inclusion, which found Muslims missing or misrepresented in a study of top-grossing films from 2017 to 2019. Alongside Riz Ahmed and his production company, Left Handed Films, Arij and her team at Pillars Fund have helped create the Pillars Artist Fellowship Program, which seeks to empower Muslim writers and directors on their pathways to success, and features an all-star advisory committee with names like Mahershala Ali, Hassan Minhaj, Lena Khan and others, a group who have affectionately been dubbed by Riz as the Muslim Avengers. We'll be speaking to Arij about helping build this initiative and why it's so important to empower Muslim storytellers. Hope you enjoy this episode and welcome back to 786 Boulevard. Arij, salam, how are you doing? Wa alaikum salam, I'm doing really well, how are you? We're good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you taking out of your time. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here uh, on this episode. Um, there's so much to discuss and I think, you know, all of us who are passionate about film and media, um, when we saw the great work that you guys put out there with the Muslims in Line program announcing the, uh, you know, uh, the fund you guys have, the Pillars Artist Fund as well, I think all of us were just, you know, uh, over our heads excited so i'm really excited to have you here uh, and shall talk about uh you know uh, all your great work and get into detail about it i wanted to start off a bit unconventionally. thank you so much it's such a pleasure no thank you for coming on uh, i wanted to start off a bit unconventionally um we have uh we had some great news the other day uh basam Tarek, who's actually part of your uh pillars artist fund was uh, announced to be uh the director of marvel's blade which i, I just found was absolutely incredible you know and it has named they're celebrating as well um and i just remember <laughs> thinking about how happy I was for this 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 clearly a great guy but I've never met him a great guy who I've never met incredible um, guy honestly genuinely like he, the he, best guy he seems like such a nice guy he seems like such a nice guy Mashallah. I was just so happy that that you know um uh someone who's who's passionate about film you know I saw Mogul Mowgli and I absolutely loved it he's such a talented filmmaker I was so happy uh you know that that uh, he no doubt through his own hard work uh, got a gig like that and we have uh, someone from our own community who has a job uh, who, who's been given uh, you know the, the the helm of a marvel movie not just a marvel movie but an iconic character you know who who so many people uh, love to to, to uh, uh, you know uh, who so many people love uh, in their own lives i mean I guess, what was your kind of own reaction uh, to that uh, and, and and you know how did it impact yeah you? i oh my gosh it was the best news i mean like you said like bassam is such an incredible guy and what i really appreciate about him is he 
just has this unbelievable integrity. So he's played the long game and he said, you know, I'm going to do things my way, my vision. But Sam is the type of guy who is always rooting for, he always says like, I'm rooting for the weirdos. Right. And I think, you know, his incredible work that he's done are really like art films. And so I want to commend first Marvel for seeing like the opportunity in bringing Basem on. And, and I'm just excited to see like, what does a Marvel movie look like through his lens as a director? Because his style is so singular. Um, so I'm just thrilled for him. And on top of that, not only is he a Pillars artist fellow advisor, but also Blade himself, Mahershala right. Ali, is also one of our Pillars artist fellowship advisors. And so I'm just so excited to see the way that our little Pillars community is already beginning to collaborate um, beyond just that fellowship itself. I think, um, like you said, Mogul Mowgli is, is such a testament to what's possible when you let a Muslim act, produce, write, star in and then also like direct a piece and i think um it's so resonant and so hyper specific to um not just our faith but like to basem and his little corner of our faith right his culture and and his own um sort of challenges etc and i think it, it really resonates for those reasons so i can only imagine what what blade is going to be like right and i think that is what's also so exciting is you know as you kind of alluded to the muslim community is not a homogenous one we're not all the same we don't all think the same we all have our little kind of um you know and i, I love the way you spoke about how basam uh, loves to tackle you know the, the the weird side of art and you know after seeing mogli <laughs> mogli i actually had to watch it twice i watched it the first time um and I, I did like it i knew it was a good movie but i was like i'm not really i don't really kind of uh, uh speak to this kind of sub this, this pakistani subculture that, that's kind of depicting i think hasnain is more kind of in line with that the second time i watched it though i was like i can't get over how wonderfully weird this film is. I can't get over how wonderful the the, the messaging is of, of generational trauma and, and how you have to watch it a few times to actually uh, understand it. Just that last scene, a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it. Hasnain, you watched the Mogul movie, right? You watched the whole thing, right? Yeah, you know how I watched it? I asked you for your username and then your credit card because I couldn't watch it in the States when it first came out. Right, hopefully. <laughs> well, the good news is uh, it is having its United States premiere in September, so it's going to yeah. be more widely available to everyone here. And I'm sure yeah, after... And then made me pay him. <laughs> yeah, made you pay him back. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think after the announcement of, of him directing Bait, a lot more people will see that film. And I just, I remember the last scene of it when him and his dad are in the, in the bathroom and they're just uh, saying, I think it's, uh, I, for, I forgot the exact line, but it kind of translates to um, uh, a kind of... Uh, mystical place that is, is between India and Pakistan and they're just sitting in that bathroom rapping that line over and over again and it's just so unapologetically weird and I think that having giving Muslim filmmakers you know, a chance to really express not only their creativity as a Muslim but their creativity as their own kind of person in and in, in of themselves is, is so wonderful and I think from that angle I can't wait to see what he does uh, with Blade you mentioned that Mahershala is also a part of um, this A-team uh, that you've uh, assembled you know, I've seen yeah. being referred to as the Muslim Avengers as well um, that, that's Reza's whole thing he calls it the Muslim <laughs> Avengers and I'm like buddy like I don't want to get a cease and desist <laughs> <laughs> yeah gotta be careful but we love that. it but as in how did that actually I mean what were the kind of the logistics of getting that many people uh, obviously all amazing all talented you know wonderful people uh, together uh, to collaborate in this manner yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say is, you know, at Pillars Fund, which is an organization that seeks to amplify the leadership narratives and talents of Muslims in America, 
we're really proud that as a community grant maker, we do everything with our community in mind first. And so we don't rush anything. We don't try to just like reach for the shiny stuff without, you know, have, making sure that it has tremendous quality behind it. So we're much more quality over quantity people. So what a lot of people don't know is that this project has been in the works for two years. Um, we you know, did everything from a landscape analysis to understand like what is missing in the industry for Muslim creatives. We wanted to understand from Muslims themselves what they thought the greatest challenges and opportunities were. And then we also talked to folks that were higher up executives in the, in, uh, in the industry that don't identify as Muslim and asked them what they believed uh, would be necessary to allow Muslims to sort of break through that ceiling. Um, and we were able to, over the last two years, beyond that landscape analysis, say, you know, here are the themes that we're picking up and we want to make sure that our fellowship addresses all of those themes things like um, emerging artists saying I just can't access a mentor that understands my faith because there are so few of us that have sort of quote-unquote made it in the industry we solved that right um, I just can't choose storytelling as a vocation because in the UK and the US Muslims are the most likely faith community to live in poverty we made sure that the fund was unrestricted so that people could maybe drop a second job or choose to spend a little bit more time on their storytelling so we're not just getting stories from those who are privileged economically. Um, we heard from folks, I just don't know how to navigate you know, the, um, the business side of the industry. What do I do if I get a general meeting? I wanna be prepared. So we're building this program that also has, um, on top of their mentor who is Muslim, like a Riz or a Rami or a Nida Mansour, um, we, also are sourcing folks from big companies who are execs who can tell them like this is what i look for in a pitch and how I, how it's what it's going to take to remember you um and along with all of that we're also asking who are we actually outside of the bounds of islamophobia so if you put islamophobia to the side and you you can tell any story you want what is your story then uh, because that really opens up an abundance of of talent to an absolutely astronomical amount of genre storytelling, weird storytelling like with Sam's, you know, we're getting our superhero movie, etc. Um, and that was all, all really important to us. So doing all of that work behind the scenes was really the biggest part because we, no one wants to be part of something that they can't tell, you know, was well thought out, um, is serving the community that they are a part of and care about the most, um, and is, you know, a comprehensive strategy for long-term change. So once we had all of that in place, we were really lucky that, you know, Riz is already a dear friend. A, a couple other folks like Rami Youssef are dear friends. I'm a creative consultant on his show. And we knew that we had um, these folks who were willing to say, I'm ready to put, you know, make a risk and uh, to put my face on this. And that really opened up a lot of opportunities for us um, to bring in and invite other folks in to, um, to be advisors. And so it was really, I have to give a lot of credit to Riz because I think sometimes when people are like, oh, this is like so-and-so celebrities project, it usually just means that they've just like put their stamp on it and been like, yeah, you can use my name and image. Riz has been so intimately involved with this. He so deeply cares about it. Um, we talk all the time. I mean, I probably talk to him once a day. He's so committed to this and he loves our community so much. Um, and I really think without that buy-in from him, we wouldn't have been able to get like the large swath of people that we got on board. So I'm, I'm so excited. I cannot believe the Muslim Avengers that we put together. It is like a dream come true. And it's also very interesting that many of them have not really had the opportunity to talk to other folks about being a creator from a Muslim perspective either, right? Because they're in this industry that's like so, um, 
frankly, pretty Islamophobic and xenophobic uh, and really, really white dominated and um, very, very um, either Christian or non-religiously affiliated dominated. And what that's meant is that like they've all been like so bought in and so hungry because they're like, I've been waiting for this chance my whole life. So it's been really exciting. It was uh, very exciting. I mean, this is something I've been honestly, I think so many of us have been passionate about for so long. Uh, and I remember, uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, Riz Ahmed's uh, uh, ch- uh, uh, his, uh, speech at the House of, uh, I believe it was Parliament uh, about representation. Yes. And he mentioned right. this thing in, in passing where he was like, you know, we'd be upstairs and one of our parents would shout Asian and we'd run downstairs to see an Asian on TV. And that was a thing. That was fully a thing. Yeah. I remember growing up in my house, like every time, wherever I was in the house, mom, my mom would say, hey, Nuri, come here quick. There's a Pakistani on TV. And we'd all gather around the TV to see one of us just represented uh, on TV. And it's incredible to see how far we've come. There's definitely so, you know, there's definitely, uh, you know, we, we still have to evolve so much more, but it's incredible to see how, how far we've come since then. Um, so I guess on that topic, what is there now to do to kind of uh, repair this hundred years of Islamophobia that has been perpetuated uh, by this industry. Um, I think we, we speak a lot about Muslim representation on this podcast, and I think you know there's so many conversations around it. But what, one thing I'm interested in asking you is, okay, now we understand there is a problem. We understand that there is a lack of Muslim representation. What are the practical steps we can take to actually change this? And I'm talking like the next 10, 50, 100 years uh, into the future. Yeah. Well, first, I love the word repair. Because I think that oftentimes folks think like, oh, if we just get a census of how many Muslims there are in the world or in the United States or in the UK and throw them on screen, like that's going to fix the problem. But actually you using the word repair is so important because it's it's not just about, um, you know, throwing up the census numbers. It's about actually undoing the centuries of Orientalist tropes that have come to, you know, damage uh, the dominant narrative about who Muslims are. So I really like that you use that word. And I also think that our report that we commissioned with uh, USC, um, Annenberg's Inclusion Center, an inclusion initiative, pardon me, um, they really were able to prove that those tropes are still alive and well, maybe even more than ever, right? And so one of the most shocking statistics for me was that um, over 80% of Muslims on screen that we see are either perpetrators of or victims of violence. That is an astronomically high number to see a, an entire community through. Uh, to know that the majority of people are only experiencing us through a lens of violence is so dehumanizing. Um, and it's so clear to me why, uh, you know, so many of our young people who are coming up now, I mean, I'm talking young, young, like even small children that are still in elementary, middle school, etc., are struggling to embrace their own identities and feeling forced into this uh, sort of assimilation of survival. I don't want that for us. I know none of us on this call do. Um, so we did, uh, along with the uh, report that we commissioned with USC, uh, we wanted to make sure that we didn't just say like, see, proof, there's a problem. Everything that we told you we felt, we now have proof for, it's real. Uh, we also wanted to make sure that we offered solutions for the industry. So Pillars Fund put together a, um, a document called The Blueprint for Muslim Inclusion. It's publicly available on our website. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we offered a blueprint in the next, you know, like you said, next year, next five years, next 10 years to uh, support the industry who, you know, a lot of them do want to do the right thing now that they're aware. So what this includes is um, 
several things. First, we actually created something that was an immediate solution. So we've got short-term, medium-term, and long-term solutions. The immediate solution that we're asking uh, big studios and production companies to take, which I'm really excited to share, a lot of them have been very open to, which was sort of like pleasantly surprising to me, is nice. the Muslim Visibility Challenge. Um, so the Muslim Visibility Challenge um, uh, you know, is sort of tackling this idea from the, uh, the 200 top grossing films that USC looked at. Um, only 19 had even one Muslim character, which is abysmal. So in other words, 181 of those 200 films presented no Muslim characters who spoke one or more words. Um, so we want to address the erasure of films in a way that creates immediate and impactful change. And the two things that we're asking them to do is to commit to one, sunsetting terror tropes over the next 18 months, uh, because we know that again, we found that primarily we are sort of shown through um, acts of aggression or as victims of acts of aggression. Um, we know that that also, you know, really inaccurately depicts Muslims by not just creating a false persona, but flattens and silences our, the integrity of artists, like the weirdos like the Sem and their creative visions and the abundance of talent present in our communities. Um, and we really feel that sunsetting terror tropes will give space for the abundance and diversity of existing and new Muslim stories to be told across genre and intersectional identity and message that are really possible to be told um, to emerge. Uh, so that's the first piece. And the second piece is uh, securing a first look deal with at least one Muslim creator in the next 18 months. Because we know that uh, beyond the few Muslim characters that are depicted on screen, the study examined how those characters were distributed across the sample of films. And we appeared in less than 20% of those top movies. And by investing in Muslim creators who have deep insight into Muslim communities, companies have the opportunity to encourage and nurture the telling of stories through our lens, which is undoubtedly going to increase the prevalence of three-dimensional and fully fleshed out Muslim characters on screen. So that's the big like what now immediate solution that we're really asking the, the um, companies to publicly commit to. And we're working on building a coalition that we can publicly announce as yes, we're taking the Muslim visibility challenge. Um, and then we've also got these industry solutions by specialty. So we created solutions for production companies and studios, like examining and reforming casting practices, sourcing Muslim vendors and suppliers. I know one complaint I heard a lot from hijabi actresses is you get on set, there's not a single scarf and you have to figure out how to style your own mm -hmm. thing because whoever is styling you has no idea what hijab is supposed right, to right. look like. Um, We've got, you know, recommendations to conduct inclusion script reviews that capitalize on the expertise of self-identified Muslims, building and supporting pipeline programs like ours. Um, we have recommendations for agencies like auditing their talent pool, intentionally seeking out polycultural Muslim talent, conducting script reviews before they shop them to uh, studios, representing Muslim consultants as well as talent who can collaborate with writers and studios. And we have, uh, you know, different uh, suggestions like that for festivals, film and drama schools, unions and philanthropists. Um, our blueprint also includes um, some mindsets that we think are really important for folks to adopt if we want this to be a long-term solution. Some resources like our friends at the RIS test, which is a five-question test that's used to determine how well Muslim characters are portrayed in film and television, who I'm sure you're very familiar with. You already um, answered my question. <laughs> yeah? What's your question? I'm talking my, too much. No, my, my question my question was going to be uh, if you heard of the risk test, which you clearly have, and was that <laughs> any that. impact? Was that 
<laughs> was that any impact into like your blueprint? Like, did you take anything from that? Because we actually had Shaf on 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 our, on our podcast. Shaf is the best. Yeah, he's okay. he's amazing. Okay. And you know, looking into the questions of how you can determine if a movie is, you know, Islamophobic or whatnot. Um, you know, what you were mentioning earlier sound, sounded very similar to that, but in its own way. So um, was that a foundation for you? Did you look at that when you guys were making your own blueprint? Or was that just something that you guys came across from your own experiences? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So um, when we were creating this, as we embarked on the creation of the community-led solutions, we actually convened more than 40 really celebrated community organizations, industry leaders, artists, and academics across the United States and the UK to join our efforts and offer their expertise. So this document was created in collaboration with that group to address the question, how might we transform the representation of Muslims in the scripted and non-scripted series and film industry for the better? And through that process, um, we you know, developed a lot of this blueprint and certainly Shaf and the Riz Test were part of that group. Um, they're dear, dear friends of ours and we're so, so excited about the work that they're doing. It's such a nice compliment to USC's research because it, uh, while USC's was, is a, a little more academic, what I love about what the Riz Test does is it's so accessible. And right. they have, I think over a thousand crowdsourced reviews now and I know Shaf uh, is looking to get to 2000 so that they can uh, share some, some broader findings but absolutely, that's that's one of the folks that we talked to was Shaf, um, and and we wanted to make sure that his work was represented. Um, we did the same for other folks like the Think Tank for Inclusion and Equity. We included their fact sheet as a resource. Um, we included our our friend Maitha Al Hassan's report, Hawk in Hollywood. Um, we included Muslim Narrative Change cohort members, uh, Suad Abdul Khabir's, uh, you know, article representation as a black Muslim woman is good and it's a trap. <laughs> uh, so we have several, several resources like that if people want to do further reading. And then we also made sure because um, I'm curious if y'all have run into this. But one thing that we often hear is like, well, I'd love to hire a Muslim, but I don't know any. Mm. And. So one thing that we created uh, as well as part of the blueprint is a Muslim talent map. So it has all of the existing talent maps that we know of. And also I'm really excited to announce that um, Disney actually funded Pillars to create our own talent database that we'll be launching this fall. Nice. Uh, and that must, yeah, so that Muslim talent database is going to live on our Pillars website. Anyone who is above the line, below the line, or a creative um, can actually sign up and say, you know, I am, for example, for me, I'd say like, I'm a straight woman who is uh, Lebanese. Um, I, you know, I speak Arabic and English, and um, I'm a creative consultant, and here's my portfolio and resume. And um, people who are looking for their next Muslim collaborator, including places like Disney and Amazon and Netflix, can actually filter to find their next collaborator. So we want to make it as easy as possible for folks so that they're not saying like, well, I'd love to, but I don't actually know of anyone right. or where to find someone. I'll sign up. I'll be below the line, though. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> below the that. line's important. Yeah, listen, below the line's important, man. I got to get, I gotta get somewhere. <laughs> uh, off the back of, uh, you know, what you just said, you know, about how a lot of filmmakers are, are saying we'd love to work with Muslim, but we don't actually know any, um, you know, and I think that it's really interesting when you look on the outset of, you know, you mentioned some very scary statistics. And I remember one of the things that kind of struck me uh, from your, your, your guys, uh, uh, your paper was that not just that Muslims are perpetrators of violence, but how many Muslims on screen are actually victims of violence? Because usually the conversation of representation right. is, oh, look, they're always depicting Muslims as terrorists. And, and, and that's kind of like where the conversation yeah. and our attention goes to. But I never thought about, you know, the fact that 
so many Muslims are port- uh, portrayed as victims of violence, as, as, as collateral on screen in war movies, etc. Um, you know, we have really bad examples like American Sniper, which I can all we, we can yeah. all agree is like one of the worst, most Islamophobic uh, films there is. I guess off the back of that, why is it? Is it? This is my question. I guess is it hard specifically for Muslims to ascend in Hollywood? Is that the reason that we don't see so many Muslim filmmakers and actors uh, in, I guess, quote unquote, the industry, or is it more of a case of there isn't enough talent to cultivate? Or I guess Muslims just don't know uh, where to go or, you know, what can you speak to in regards to that? It's a great question. I would certainly say that uh, in my experience, the latter is not at all true. I have seen nothing but an abundance of talent of Muslims that are just ready to create, are full of stories. Another project that we worked on this year, which didn't extend to the UK, was we partnered with The Blacklist, uh, Franklin Leonard's company, to have the first ever Muslim list. And um, I got to read over 220 scripts submitted by American Muslims. And what I can tell you is that there is absolutely an abundance of talent. Uh, It's just not given the opportunity. And I think what I'm excited about is um, I'm very much past this place. I have no interest in asking us Uh, asking Muslims to be let in. I don't wanna knock on the door and say, please let me in. What I'm much more interested in doing is saying like, you're gonna hear the party next door and it's like really loud, right? Like the music is bumping, you can tell it's a great party. That's us, that's our party. I want you to knock on our door and I'm gonna say like, Mm. you can come into the party. Um, and, and if you, and if you don't want to come into the party, you're missing out. And so that I'm very much interested in that. And I think Hollywood right now is ripe for that. Um, it's very clear that this, uh, this research has sort of invigorated, um, Hollywood to say like, oh, wow, we have been missing out on so much of this. But I know, you know, from my experience working with Rami, when we were shopping the show before it even, you know, was bought by Hulu, um, it was difficult because a lot of, a lot of Hollywood decision makers were very worried because there had been nothing like it before. And they were like, well, what if it loses money? Mm. Uh, There's no comp, right? They're obsessed with comps in Hollywood. There's no comp, there's no this, there's no that. Um, But what I'm very interested in doing is saying like, well, we deserve the same types of risks that you're giving to white men all the time. So take a risk on us and I know we won't disappoint you. So these new initiatives that, you know, allow us to say like, here are 10 extraordinary uh, scripts that we found on the Muslim list, or here are five hand selected, you know, five to 10 hand selected fellows uh, by our incredible advisory committee that we are preparing for prime time. I think like that's our opportunity to say like, do you want in on this party? Or are you gonna like slink away and go to bed early? Um, I love that. If I, I'm just gonna jump in here. Um, number one, uh, I'm definitely a party animal, so I will be there. Um, <laughs> number two, um, I want, I want to just kind of. Grape juice. Uh, I'll bring my uh, butter beer from Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> Wait, you um, literally have a butter beer in your hand. I literally have a butter beer. Where did you pro- procure that? Uh, the Harry po- there's a Harry Potter store in New York City. It just opened Incredible. up recently, and I just I just went. You went uh, all the way there for that. Amazing. Seriously. No, not for Butterbeer, but oh. like for the experience. Oh, okay, all right. You know, I'm, I'm a Slytherin apparently, so I don't know. I'm a Ravenclaw. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, uh, I, know, I never liked Harry Potter, so I'm just going <laughs> to... But um, to, to, to add on to that, you know, as, as somebody who um, does film myself, um, obviously in a very small circle, um, there's an abundance of talent, right? My crew, like my cinematographer, my director, my producer, myself, my actors, my actresses, are all people of color, and that's kind of how I keep it, um, being very diverse. So, so, like, the amount of writers are there. 
um, to write uh, Muslim films. The amount of actors are there. I have 30 Muslim actors from different backgrounds from across the globe, um, Indonesian, you know, from everywhere. Um, so it's definitely there. I, I would say, um, I think when the lack of comes from two things, it's from the resources and from the funding, right? Um, every short film, and, I, and I, I've produced maybe four or five short films on my own, every one of those were self-funded out of my own pocket. And um, how much did, can I ask how much on average did you spend? It's a short film, believe it or not, it, it's my, the cheapest 8000 for yep. a, a for a five minute clip to fifteen grand, right? For, so imagine uh, how many people we shut out. That right. you know, if you're not wealthy, like it's really yeah. difficult to get your foot in the door. And if you don't have that yeah. as your calling card, yeah. I mean, just clear, I'm, I'm not wealthy. I mean, I just no, no. To, uh, of course, <laughs> we believe you, bro. Sorry, Close that's enough. not what that's yeah. not what I was implying. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to come back to the point that like yeah, yeah. I want to make sure everyone has the privilege to, to express so, themselves in that way. So that's the thing. Like you know, in my pool, you know. And I, and I sit with people like myself who like, hey, I have a script. I wrote a 10-minute short film or a 15-minute short film. And all six of us have a short film. But if Pillar Funds only has one $25,000 grant for 100,000 writers to chase, it's, it's very difficult, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like, like you know, GoFundMe's, you can go that route. But in my opinion, if we can open up resources in, in regards to like, hey, you know, like, Here's a camera rental service or here's a, uh, like you said, talent service. You could just go one stop shop. But I think that the biggest thing, it comes down to, to the money, right? You know, if you, if you even film festivals, like, like my last short film festival, I submitted to quite a few. I got into quite a few and won quite a few. Congrats. But thank you. But the thing is, those things cost money, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, the talent is there and I see it exploding, but we need to find the endowments and the trust and the people who are willing to back us. And like you said, take the same risk that you would take on us as if you were taking it on anybody else, right? If you're going to go and drop a hundred million dollars on a film, and unfortunately, I'm sorry to say it was a pretty crappy film, like give us 1% of that and see how far we can run. You know? Absolutely. Um, and that, that's kind of the struggle where I am right now is just like, um, I don't know how much longer I can go self-funding my own projects simply to create my own opportunities as an actor, right? Um, that's the only reason why I do it because if I don't tell my story, nobody is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where we have to look at. It's just like, you know, like I, obviously the UK funds a lot more of the arts than the US in general. Um, and I know New York is doing a better job because, you know, Cuomo just issued like a like an arts fund or something for New York, New York City, but... Uh, I think that's where it has to start. If if you want us to go somewhere, like fund us. It doesn't necessarily have to be monetary, but like give us cameras, give us something that we can work with, give us locations. Locations are extremely expensive. Yeah. Really expensive. So, smart. I, I, it's so well said, and I I think too that, um, it's really, it's really crucial that we uh, you know think about how we educate our own community and how to be patrons of the arts as well. Um, I think, you know, pillars and, and a lot of other, you know, structures and organizations are, are trying to like sort of begin to carve these paths, but you're right. We're just one organization. We don't have, right. we're, we're small. We're like a seven person staff. So we don't have endless money to give yet, but inshallah someday. 
Um, but I do, I do think, you know, like in the same way that overlapping communities with ours, you know, like, um, black communities showed up for black Panther and the same way that Asian communities showed up for crazy rich Asians. Like I don't, I want to make sure that we educate folks that like, if you don't show up for these people and because they're imperfect to you, you're never going to get the chance to have the plethora of options that, you know, folks from the dominant culture have. Um, not every show is going to be for us. Like there's certain things, there, I mean, there's plenty of shows where I'm like, I relate to like this one thing, but like these 10 things I have no personal relationship to. But what I, what I do know is that like, we deserve the right to have 50 shows to choose from that have like a Muslim woman that I might be able to relate to or, or know someone who might be able to relate to. And if we don't show up as, you know, patrons of the arts, we're not going to get there. So that, that is really important as well as I just want for all those who might be listening, who are like, well, I'm not a creator, but I'm a storytelling lover. Like that is a real thing that you can do today to support the cause. Yeah. 100%. What would you say in your experience of dealing with so many uh, different creatives from all across the Muslim community? Uh, I think it, it's wonderful, you know, how many people, cool people you're able to meet and, and collaborate with. I think uh, even just like stepping uh, with us, me and Hasni, like taking a step with this podcast, one thing I just loved is meeting so many different cool people from all across the spectrum in so many different forms of art. And I think sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're kind of stuck to working on your own, uh, to your own creativity in your own circles, you kind of forget how much amazing talent there is uh, uh, out there. Um, what would you say is special, if anything, uh, specifically about the, the talent within the Muslim community comparatively to other uh, minority communities? You know what's really special about it is um, we are truly like the most ethnically and racially diverse community in the world, certainly in the United States. Um, and there's something really extraordinary about that because I think if we're able to tap into that, it actually creates this, like we have the opportunity to create a model of what a truly populist, like country, pluralist and populist country could look like and a, and a beautiful like society can look like that um, both honors the shared values that we have, but also honors the, the different cultural values that we have. And that is like so cool in this time when we're all thinking about, you know, identity politics and um, the, you know, incredibly important racial justice battles that we're, we're fighting in our, you know, uh, separate given communities. I think that what's really special about us is when you when you invest in Muslim communities, you're actually investing in like every other community. Um, and there's no other community like that, you know, that like contains that multitude at the same scale. Um, so it's actually a really good catch all. It's a good catch all to say like, okay, if I, if I have a Muslim person, like that's a, actually a great opportunity to talk about ethnicity, race, immigration, um, you know, uh, gender, uh, gender fluidity, uh, sexual preference, etc. Like all of that is contained within us. And, um, I just think that's really special. In regards, you mentioned how you read like over hundreds of, of, of scripts, you know, is there a criteria for individuals who are, who are listening to this to, to, you know, submit to the Pillars Fund, maybe their script to be to be funded? Is there a criteria? Um, and then on top of that, I, I know you guys work with the Ford Foundation. I'm, you know, a $12 billion endowment. I'm very familiar with them yeah. because they, I looked to them when one, I needed one of my films funded. Unfortunately, I didn't get that far, but um you know, maybe maybe give some some background on on if there's a criteria, what you guys look for, um, and then you know the relationship with the Ford Foundation. 
Yeah, so I think we're, we've got a couple different questions here. So the first is Ford Foundation is a great partner of ours. They actually partnered with us to help fund the research because research is incredibly expensive. Right. And so there are there are partners in that regard. Um, and we're also a grantee of Ford as Pillars Fund. Um, so that's, that's sort of our relationship with them. Our Pillars Artist Fellowship is um, sort of funded through different means. Um, but what is exciting about that is there's going to be, we're, we're, this is kind of like a hot exclusive actually because I haven't really talked about this anywhere Ooh. else. Exciting time. I know. <laughs> Breaking news. When does news. this come out? <laughs> uh, next Sunday. Coming out next Sunday. <laughs> oh, perfect timing. Amazing. Um, not this go. Sunday, but next Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, August 1st <laughs> is when we're opening our Pillars Fellowship application process. There's a two-pronged application process. You can either be nominated uh, by someone who's within the industry, which means that you just get to skip to round two of our review, or you can apply if you don't have anyone to nominate you. If you apply, uh, there are a couple different things that uh, we are looking for. One, we're really interested, um, the level of artists we're looking at is emerging. We're thinking about emerging artists as people who have uh, between zero and two mainstream opportunities out in the world. So they're folks who have had between zero and two opportunities to be in a writer's room or to direct at you know a studio, a major studio, etc. If you're within that window, you're right for this. We're also looking for folks who have two work samples. If you are a screenwriter, that, that those samples can either be a full-length feature that you've written or a full-length pilot that you've written. If you are a director, one of those samples has to be a directing sample, um, and the other can be uh, something you've written, a treatment, um, a music video, commercial, etc all of that. So we're looking for folks that are able to submit that. We're also going to be asking for a personal video essay where people can talk about what stories they want to tell and um, what Muslim representation means to them. And I would say uh, we're not looking necessarily for anything specific, but we are looking for folks who can imagine themselves outside of the bounds of Islamophobia and who really have a passion about furthering uh, Muslim storytelling in a new way. And so that means you don't have to just write about, actually, I would recommend you don't. <laughs> you don't have to just write about national security or terror, etc. You can write your sci-fi that you've always dreamed of. You can write your horror film that you've always dreamed of. You can write your rom-com. You can write, you know, whatever it is that you want to submit. Like, we're really excited to see it because we want to show Hollywood everything they've been missing out on for all these years. And we know you've got it. Um, so that's really what we're looking for. When it came to the Muslim list, uh, it was pretty similar. I was looking for folks who were disrupting uh, the tropes that we're so used to seeing that the USC research uncovered. Um, I was looking for folks who had really strong technical writing skills. I was looking for folks who had like fresh new ideas that I knew could be sold and, and would be exciting to um, share with our partners at different studios and streamers, et cetera. Um, so we're, I'm just, I can't wait. Like I, I it's, you know, we're recording this on the 22nd. This is opening in about a week. I seriously cannot wait to see what submissions we get. I'm just like, it's going to be overwhelming, but like in the best way. Um, I just cannot wait to see what we get. Nuri is so excited. He gets to submit that, that script he's been working on for six years. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no, 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 no. I was, I was telling you, we had uh, Azhar Osman. Uh, on, on, you know Azhar, right? He's, uh, oh, he's nice. a stand up comedian. Yeah, I do know Azhar. Last week. Well, yeah. and, 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 and he was telling me, he goes, Oh, so you're interested in getting into filmmaking? I was like, Look, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I'm good at anything because I've been working on a screenplay for the past five <laughs> years. And until I have something good to show, that's when I'm going to like have the courage to say, Okay, this is what I have to put out there in the world. 
Um, but which I think, feel like is very important with talent. I feel like we have so many. It's so easy to fall in that trap of oh, just you know, I'll be great. Just trust me. You know, I'll be good. But I think when you create actual content, that is actually you know. Like 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 Basam, for example, like Mogul Mogul, or even the documentaries he made. When you create content that is actually amazing, you invite towards you success. You invite towards you people who want to work with you, right. and collaborate with you. I think I think that's a very important uh, mentality to have. One thing uh, I was listening to your, your podcast on immigrantly, which we actually share a platform on that because they're going to be releasing my episode hopefully in, in two weeks. Nice. Um, even though I mumbled a lot, I didn't know what I was saying, so I don't think it's a really great. Oh, episode. I felt like I was rambling. <laughs> yeah, I was rambling a lot. She asked me about spirituality. I didn't know what to say. I just kind of like just threw in a, a, a bunch of words and, and, and threw it together. Um, but I was listening to it just before uh, we had you on and, and one thing uh, I loved which you said you were speaking about uh, how important it is uh, uh, why representation is important and how it kind of creates this, uh, this psychological aspect of empathy within viewers within people who consume that content um, we know very well you know uh, American Sniper is a film I, I, I don't like to talk about it a lot because I feel like we've spoken about it so much even though it is very important to speak about uh, how dangerous Islamophobic films can be you know, I'm sure you've read uh, in the post, uh, uh, the days after the film was released, you saw those tweets that were going viral about how people were walking out of the cinema saying they want to kill Arabs and, you know, how they love seeing Arabs getting killed. So we know very well that, you know, films like this have a very, uh, very overtly Islamophobic films have an impact on the psyche of people who walk out there and, 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 and it dehumanizes us essentially. I think also when we see an absence of Muslims in film, it creates that idea of Muslims being the other because you're not used to them right as a as someone who maybe hasn't uh met a muslim that you know of because you mentioned that in the podcast as well um it, when you do see a muslim it creates this idea of an other and you know you're not really connected to them so i guess if you can elaborate on just how important it is to have good muslim representation uh and how that impacts the psyche of uh you know the general public and i think riz also mentioned this when he posted um you know uh before he announced the actual initiative that you guys were working on uh he actually connected it to the the, the family that were run over in canada uh, the islamophobic attack mm -hmm. i think it was uh, uh two parents and a child or something that was that were run over in a blatant islamophobic attack and he and he said this is very well connected to that because it's so important because that's how important representation is it actually saves lives um so i guess why is it so important to have correct representation and what impact does it have on the psyche uh, of the general public yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think what what you just said is so important, which is that when we have this absence, even just figure like forget the miss, the maligned part, just the missing part. When you have this absence, what it creates is this belief that the world as it should be does not include Muslims. The world as it is does not include Muslims, which means that when we do see Muslims in the real world, they feel like they don't, they literally don't belong in that world because it's not the one that we've seen over and over again as what's upheld as like normal, right and good, right? Um, so that that is really crucial. And so I think, you know, honestly, it's as simple as this. It's as simple as just show the world as it is. We, when, we, when, you, when you aren't showing the world as it is, what you're saying is you would prefer that the world not include the people that don't appear. Um, and so by showing the world as it is, we give the opportunity for, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there are young people who, um, we, we actually work with an organization called ISPU who found that like Muslim kids were the most likely kids to be bullied in school. And um, by really one of the shocking things that I know Riz has talked about is that um, there are no animated films that we looked at that had a Muslim character. So kids that are, are watching just never ever get the opportunity to see themselves on screen. And not only does that 
sort of tell them that they don't belong, but it tells everyone around them that they don't belong. They've never, they've never perceived them as people who can be a neighbor or a superhero or a cashier or uh, a teacher, right? And so when they're encountered in this way, it feels abnormal. And um, that can create, like, like you said, it can create really small, um, you know, opportunities for sort of misalignment and distress or it can create really, really big violent acts um, and policies that actually impact the day-to-day experiences of Muslims. I mean, we all know about Trump's Muslim ban. Um, that was that didn't come out of nowhere. You know, our president, Kashif Sheikh, always says people don't just wake up one day hating Muslims. It comes from what we see on screen over and over again. And what we've been told is that we're, a world without Muslims is a better one. And so that is really the the idea behind what the Muslim ban was, is that we are safer without people like us here when we're already here. Um, and so I, I do think it's just, it's absolutely crucial. One of the questions we, we kind of ask uh, all the uh, the cool people like yourself that we get on uh, the show is about the relationship between their spirituality uh, and their art craft. You yourself, you know, you're doing something very important. You know, you're, um, uh, and, and, and it's very clear that you're very passionate about what you're doing. It's very clear that you love what you're doing. It's so wonderful to see uh, uh, someone with your drive in the position that you're in. What would you say is the relationship between your work in trying to get Muslims represented, trying to uplift Muslims in our community uh, to uh, places of of of, uh, of real, um, you know, um, uh, influence and, and 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 where they're able to actually make a real change and and, and uh, profess their art and your own personal spirituality, which again means different things to different people. Yeah, thanks for asking that. I mean, I think um, for me, like I said, uh, my faith is really, really important to me. It's like when people ask you, like, what's the identity you think about most? Like, it's definitely my identity as a Muslim person. Um, I also really genuinely believe um, that there's always been a place for the artist um, in Islam. And, you know, one of the reasons that um, I I'm so passionate about this is like even the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, like he would invite poets to the pulpit. Um, and I think people often forget that, that the poet has always had a place in the Prophet وسلم's mosque. And we don't give enough credit to the, uh, the folks that um, bring, connect our spirituality to our hearts, connect our religion, religious ritual to um, the emotional resonance that that religious ritual can have for us. Um, so like, you know, the sweetness of of our spirituality with the really important um, sort of, di- regardless of what, you know, type of Islam you practice, right. the really important ritual that we have day to day. And um, for me, I think storytelling is what does that. And um, I actually like, some of the greatest stories ever told are, are literally in the Quran, you know, like, uh, you know, my mom always says, she's like, you know, th- there's no, there's no greater story than the story of prophet Yusuf. Like that is, that's an unbelievable story. <laughs> so, you know, we, we tell stories not only, um, to, not only to show sort of that, that, um, the religious ritual and and law that is so important to preserve, but also to preserve like our history, to mythologize ourselves, to leave the legacy of who we want our our future progeny to, to look back on their ancestors who will be us as. And I think that is so crucial um, because it's what keeps us sort of, 
emotionally connected to our spirituality. And I think that stories just keep that alive and there's no reason not to modernize that type of storytelling. Um, we, you know, continue to pass down. We have this oral tradition of passing down stories about the Prophet Sallallahu and all the things he did, the way that he drank and the way that he ate and the way that he brushed his hair and all of these stories. Um, and there's no reason for us not to like continue that legacy and say like, and here are some mistakes that I made and here are some things that I did that I'm really proud of. And here's, you know, um, a, a story about me and my time that my progeny can then learn from. Um, so it feels really connected to me and not even like in a tangential way, like in a very direct way. I think storytelling has preserved, you know, our connection to um, to our ancestors who came before us and, and, you know, really were the first Muslims. Love it. Profound. Absolutely profound. Thank you so much. As a final question, before we let you go, um, what message do you want to give to any Muslims who might be watching right now? who want to break into the quote-unquote industry or just forget break into industry, just that, uh, enter this world of, of artistic expression, be it in film uh, or media or screenwriting or directing or, or any form of art. But I guess maybe they might have a bit of fear. Uh, they might have a bit of reluctance for whatever reason, maybe because they don't feel represented or maybe because they feel like it's too big of a step to reach. Um, what message would you give to any of those uh, folks? Uh, it's, Basically, it's a Noor great... is saying give him advice. <laughs> finish your screenplay finish your screenplay I've been telling myself uh, that for the past five years <laughs> one day inshallah no honestly you know fear is such an interesting word that you used um, I'm going to be honest with you the best decisions I've made in my life I did because I was afraid um, usually my motivation to to push myself beyond my comfort my comfort and my what I perceive to be my current limitations um, is to understand like something about this scares me and I don't know why and to spend some time unpacking what it is that scares me and then pushing myself to actually do it. I mean, even like leaving, uh, you know, I, I used to be a teacher, which by the way, I still love doing. Um, I, it was a huge part of my life was education, but even leaving that to say like, can I start this like, or can I contribute to this place at Pillars Fund and, and start to sort of lead, co-lead and lead and create this strategy around how to do something that I've never seen done before? Like that was terrifying, um, but that was the reason I said yes. And so I would say um, some of the best decisions of my life I've made because I ran towards the fear. And I think that that's really allowed me to grow in a different way. And I think my next piece of advice, which I, I know I'm such a broken record about this and I say it all the time, is like the only person I want you to please is yourself. I think that's what makes like Bassem so special is he's like, I don't really, he's, he's genuinely, I don't really care. Like if anyone likes my stuff, I'm gonna make the thing that is, I'm gonna make the thing that's so good to me that I will be impossible to deny because someone will love it because it's true to me. So don't try to fit a shape of who you think they want you to be, just be you um, and be true to yourself and do something that you love because that's that's the way the, the world works and the world works now. Like people aren't consuming uh, content that is like universally like, you know, it, it's not about friends anymore, right? It's about insecure. Mm. Um, it's not about um, two and a half men anymore. It's about like glow, which is about like female wrestlers, you know, so like you, whatever your niche is, like, don't be afraid of it. Like that's what's going to make you special and you will find an audience for it. 
Love it. Excellent. Love it. I loved how we reached full circle, starting with Basama, ending with Basama as well. <laughs> uh, he's completed our podcast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Arij, uh, before we let you go, where can people follow you? Uh, where can they get in touch with you? And where can they uh, read more about Pillars Fund's fantastic work and uh, actually apply yeah, for so you know, uh, this grant <laughs> and this program? Thank you. Yeah, so pillarsfund.org is our website. If you're in the UK or the US, you can start applying from August 1st until September 1st for this uh, first year of our fellowship. Um, you can follow Pillars Fund also at Pillars Fund online, wherever you do your social media-ing. Um, I am at Arij Mikalti online on all social media, so feel free to give me a follow. Wonderful. Arij, appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with us. Before we let you go, please don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and we're also on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help out the channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Give us a tag on Instagram and we'll reshare it for you. Thank you for joining us here and we'll see you again next week for another episode of 786 Boulevard.